Jones, Zach Kowski. Adam Henry, Bobby Jones. Jeff Jarrett. Joe Siddle. DJ Laramie. Holy Mackinac, you're listening to Wind City Sports. Yo, what up, everybody? My name is Rick Moore, and thank you for streaming or downloading this episode of the Wind City Sports Podcast. Win City Sports is Windsor's only local sports radio show and podcast, live on CJAM 99.1 FM every Thursday, live at 12.30 p.m., and you can hear replays on Tuesdays at 8 p.m. and catch every episode of the Win City Sports podcast, of course, wherever you're listening to it right now, but we are available on Spotify, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, and anywhere podcasts are found. Just simply search up Win City Sports. We're on the brand new Border City Podcast Network, and we have our own website at windcitysports.com. We'll tell you how to reach the podcast again and how to access all of our social medias at the end of the show as we normally do. But today is Thursday, August 1st, 2019, and it's episode 156 of Wind City Sports. And this week on Wind City Sports, we're going back to Border City Wrestling to talk to not necessarily a wrestler, but uh, personnel from BCW who's been there since day two as he will explain he's pretty much been there since the beginning days of border city wrestling and the can-am wrestling school uh aside from the first show that they ever put on he's been at probably every single event uh, he's been an announcer master of ceremonies a referee he's been a manager before in wrestling he's done it all he's worn every hat and uh, i don't even know what necessarily he is wearing on his head right now but he is one of the key figures in border city wrestling it's Jeffrey Scott, you may remember him or that chant from uh, from a BCW show. Jeffrey Scott, Jeffrey Scott. And I hope you enjoyed our little uh, uh, special intro for uh, today's podcast. But we talk about obviously his involvement in BCW and anything wrestling that he's been involved in. Uh, we talk about Border City Wrestling itself, the prestige of the promotion. We talk about the 25th anniversary show and Impact Wrestling. Uh, this was actually recorded just a few days before the Impact Wrestling tapings at Sinclair College two weekends ago, on July 19th and 20th. And during that time, actually, I had the opportunity to do a quick interview with RVD, Rob Van Dam, that you can check out on YouTube now. came out last week, uh, last Thursday, with uh, last week's podcast with John Scott Dixon. Uh, so check out our YouTube video with RVD, Rob Van Dam, uh, from St. Clair College, Impact Wrestling tapings, talk about uh, coming to Canada, uh, coming back to Impact Wrestling, and much more, including his uh, uh, movie Headstrong. But we're going to jump over into that interview with Jeffrey Scott in just a minute. But first, I actually want to tell you about Border City Wrestling's next event, which is going to be BCW Heat Wave 2019. It all goes down on Sunday, August 25th at uh, the Tecumseh Legion at 3 p.m. It's going to feature all of your Border City Wrestling favorites, including Border City Wrestling tag, or not tag team, world champion, Cody Diener, Aiden Prince, El Reverso, and much more. And as announced yesterday on Facebook, D'Lo Brown will be headlining this event, former WWF, Intercontinental, and European champion. But it will be a Border City exclusive um, bell time at 3 p.m. Doors opening at 2, and tickets across the board are only $20. Uh, still lots available, and they are available now online at BorderCityWrestling.com. So that's August 25th, BCW Heat Wave 2019 at the Tecumseh Legion in on, uh, Tecumseh, Ontario. So don't miss it. And without further ado, let's jump over to that interview with Jeffrey Scott. Here we go. So we're here at uh, the CAW Center at the University of Windsor uh, with a longtime Border City Wrestling MC, announcer, ref, much more. Also, uh, Impact Wrestling announcer, 
God knows what else you're doing, maybe right. producing, but you know him as Jeffrey Scott. Welcome to the show. Thank you very much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here, as always. Uh, you've worn a lot of hats in DCW, obviously, and if someone asks you, you know, what do you do with the wrestling stuff, what's kind of your typical answer, or, or is there even a well, typical answer? First off, I would say I'm the promoter. Then I would say I'm the announcer, I guess, for Border City. I don't know. I wear about 15 different hats mm-hmm. here. I guess, like, setting up the outlets isn't exactly a uh, juicy topic of conversation, <laughs> you know, bringing you tickets to the outlets. Yeah, no, that's But, yeah, fun. but as far as, like, yeah, um, I help promote all the small shows. I help do the big shows. I help sell tickets. I'm the MC. Uh, I do social media along with James Trepanier. I do the hotline. And how did you kind of start or first get involved? And what was your first kind of task or job or whatever? Probably maybe selling tickets or whatever. So they, so Border City ran a show in Amherstburg. It wasn't even Border City. I think it was All Star Wrestling. Ran a show in Amherstburg, April of '93, I believe. And um, <clears throat> I used to watch anything wrestling. If a wrestler was on the Tonight Show, I would watch it. If uh, if I if I could figure where I could wiggle my antenna and find, you know, Cleveland or Buffalo or anything like that. Like, if it was anything wrestling, I watched yeah, it because I just loved wrestling. Letter, right. Or uh, David Letterman right. or something. <laughs> or, like, or even, like, uh, Channel 38 used to run, like, Memphis wrestling in the morning before school and stuff, and it was just so mind-blowing to me that I could watch, like, championship wrestling and, you know, Memphis and all this stuff before I went to school in high school, which was, like, Smoky Mountain and everything from, from like... Eight till eight till eight thirty in the morning or whatever it was. Yeah, I remember and I was like, "That's so insane!" Saturday morning wrestling, right? You know, it's crazy. Yeah, yeah. And they had something different every week: Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. So, um, back to the original thing. So I was pretty savvy as far as res- what wrestling was around here. And uh, my dad came down Monday morning with the newspaper, and he goes, "Hey, did you know there was wrestling in Amherstburg?" And my freaking heart like sunk into my stomach because I was like. Are you kidding me? There was wrestling like in Amherstburg, and I didn't know about it. Like it was bothered me, and I was like, I wanted to go see it, whatever it was. Like I didn't care what it was. I needed to know what it was. So there was a picture in there with a caption uh, from Chuck Fader. So back in the day, you know, there was no, you couldn't Google who the hell Chuck Fader was. So all I really did was I went and grabbed the new, the white pages and just looked up Chuck Fader in the phone book and thought, wow, let's give her a go. And got a hold of Chuck, and I, and I said, listen, I said, I heard you guys ran a show. I said, what do I got to do to get involved? I said, most importantly, what do I got to do? I want to become a wrestler. So he hooked me up with Scott, and uh, Scott had told me that the Can-Am Wrestling School was opening up in May, and that, you know, I think it was like May 3rd or May 13th. I still can't remember to this day. I should probably look it up. But either May 3rd or May 13th of 93 was the first class so I went there, it was me, Mike Legacy, Mike Legacy's cousin, and this guy we know named Sumo Ken, and it was the four of us, and they made us do blow-up drills and run the ropes and tackle drop-downs and all this stuff, and I remember um, Legacy puking, Legacy's cousin puked, <laughs> and Kenny puked, and I didn't puke, and I couldn't believe it, because I'm like, I don't know, I thought I was, the well, not the least athletic, but like in the middle of the pack of athletic. And I just, I don't know, I just was, it was everything I ever wanted. It was like I was in a wrestling ring and it was like so insane to me that like, <clears throat> I don't know. It would be like if someone said, hey, do you want to go visit the set of He-Man? And I just got plunked down there. It would be so insane. But better yet, it's in someone's right. backyard in Windsor. Right, right? exactly. But you're right, you're at a wrestling, yeah. You're in a wrestling school, you know. 
And uh, after that, I was like, I just need to be involved. So I would, when we ran shows in LaSalle, well, they, I say we because I feel like I'm a part of the beginning part, but I didn't really, I wasn't really part of like, I was just a volunteer for the first couple of years. But when we did shows in LaSalle, I would walk up and down front road and hanging out, handing out posters and flyers, posting them on light poles, going into businesses, asking them for $25 business card sponsorships for our program and just doing that kind of stuff. And then at the same time, I was taking uh, journalism in school and I thought I could be valuable in that fact. So I decided to, I would be the one that wrote the articles for the program. Then I ended up being the guy that designed the program. So then the program basically became my baby. So I sold the ads in it. I wrote the articles, I designed it. Um, and then like the day of the show, I was like one of maybe only, like you look at these guys now, there's like crews of like 16 guys who build the ring. Back then there was maybe a crew of three guys that built the ring. I think it was like, it was always either me and Scott or me and Scott's cousin Craig or me and Scott's cousin... Uh, Chris, I don't know, yeah. who cares? Korea, whatever, yeah. <laughs> so anyways, so those guys, uh, so it was like a two-man crew back then, and we had, you know, Canadian Destroyer, Doug Chevalier. He was on the crew, and uh, I just remember, like, thinking, like, like, I'd get there at 9 or whatever in the morning to build the ring, and it was like, I would have went there at 4 in the morning if they would have asked me. I just was so into being in the wrestling business, you can't even believe it, like, I'd have to pinch myself every time I was at a show because it was just so insane to me that, like, Honky Tonk Man or Greg the Hammer Valentine or The Rock or somebody was at a show and I was on the show and I was a part of it and I would, like, help promote it. So it just it was always mind-blowing to me. Mm-hmm. And that's even later on, too. So you know, Right, that was, like, 97. Like- so, yeah, so four years later. It was right around then when, when Chuck... Um, Chuck ended up getting cancer and had to step away from Border City and... Uh, Scott asked me if I'd be interested in taking Chuck's spot, and I said, I would love to, you know, do the work. I said, but, you know, because I think at that point Scott had bought Chuck out of the partnership, and I said to Scott, though, you know, I don't have any money to buy into his spot. I said, but I'll work my ass off for it. And Scott basically said, you know, you've already put in the time. We've, You know, you put in the sweat equity, you know. I'll make you a partner in this and going forward. So that was around 98 and I've been a partner ever since. Oh, that's awesome. Man. That's cool. So was the goal kind of to start wrestling or do everything you possibly could? For me, it was to be a wrestler. I wanted to be a wrestler. One million percent. I thought about wrestling. I eat. I would think about my character. I would think about moves, names of moves, finishes, catchphrases, you name it. I would even, the way I'd even walk, I would try to think of like, what would be a cooler way to walk? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Just based on wrestling. And then once you get in there and someone slams you on your ass about 15 times and you hit your head or you get whiplashed against the ropes or anything like that, then you start going, you know what, maybe referee or manager or announcer might be something that's more up my alley, you know what I mean? I don't really like being upside down, so maybe I'll, I'll pick one make of those. the flyers. Right, yeah, I'll think, maybe I'll just pick the program, right. Um, yeah, I, I know you did some stuff in or at least around the ring as in a managerial role too is... Scotty Libido. Yeah. <laughs> so what we did, uh, so in Canada, I was just Jeffrey Scott referee slash Border City Wrestling promoter. But in the States, I would uh, wrestle, manage, referee. Um, I started off as Jeffrey Scott over there as well. And then I started doing like a, um, like a, 
I don't know, the kind of character that I wanted to do as a wrestler before. We did kind of like a too hot Jeffrey Scott thing where I was trying to be like the sex symbol, but like it was like it was like ironic thing where it was like I'd have like a big belly or whatever, but I'd try to be like this sex symbol who like thought he was so sexy, <laughs> yeah. but like couldn't figure out why other people didn't think he was sexy. So I lived like this. It was really funny because for, you know, and then I, I started managing back when the movie The Boogie Nights came out and everyone, we wanted to pick a, we were all going to do a team and we were going to all pick porno names, like porno, like a porn movie type names. And I ended up uh, picking Scotty Libido because that's based off of Jeffrey Scott, like the Scott part. And then the Libido was just like a yeah, porn name. Obvious, right? yeah. So yeah, so then I ended up doing the Scotty Libido thing for, I don't know, 10 years probably over there and traveled all over Michigan, Ohio, Indiana, doing shows. It was like living two separate lives. One as this responsible, running my own promotion, have to be nice to everybody guy in Canada. And then this sexy asshole who uh, ran around the States with all his friends, having making money and having fun with his friends. <laughs> so that was, that's the best. I don't know. I, it was the best of both worlds. And mm. I never got to do... Uh, I only ever got to manage one time in uh, Canada. Scott finally let me do just one match. He let me manage Jamie D. And I think I got kicked in the nuts or something. <laughs> DCW? Or, yeah, yeah, for Border City. And that was the, the only time Scott ever let me manage here. But that's fine. I didn't want to cross up anything anyway because I'm kind of like the, I don't know, spokesperson or whatever for Border City. So mm -hmm. I couldn't exactly be in the ring telling everybody where to go and how to get there and then call people a week later and offered to drop tickets off at their house you know what I mean so it was nice that we kept it separate um, but it was fun I, I still like doing it. I'd still do of it course. today if uh, the American government wasn't so cranky about letting us go over there all the time mm -hmm. I gotcha but as far as I remember you were kind of the MC and uh, to kind of go back to the beginning actually yep. asking about you know um, what you would say if someone asked you what you do in wrestling or whatever right. I think like people that are in wrestling probably understand more you right. know but to be outside it's like oh I, I don't just have one role I do like everything right. uh, so yeah as far as I can remember you were the MC. I remember you refing too and uh, you kind of touched upon it I kind of wanted to know when you started to take over more behind the scenes as you had mentioned it was when Chuck kind of faded away right right and then what happened was um, well I started off like I said I wanted to wrestle and that didn't work but then Scott thought well it would be beneficial if I was a referee because then um I'd always be at the shows. So they said that I'd always be... Uh, so Scott said that I'd, it'd be good for me because I'd already be at shows. And a show always needs a referee no matter what. So if no one else ever showed up, so if it was just me in the ring showed up, all I needed was two more wrestlers and essentially we could have a show. Do you know what I mean? So I, I saw the benefit in becoming a referee and it was something where um, there'd be times where even as the referee, if there was a certain thing that Scott wanted to get over in a match or if he wanted a certain angle to be done a certain way. It's easier for me to be in the ring talking to the guys as the referee than it is to be standing outside the ring trying to direct traffic. Then I'm, I'm thinking 1990s, right? When like no one had earpieces and stuff the way it used to be. So everything had to be just basically directly told to the wrestlers. So it was easier back then if I was in charge of that stuff. Plus then it was more of like we didn't really have like a commissioner type person or like a board of directors or anything like that. So whenever there needed to be a match made, or whatever, they would just send me out there to be, because I was like Jeffrey Scott yeah, yeah. <laughs> the guy from border city. So it was like, I played the role of like the 
president or whatever you want to call it at the same time. So it was fun. And, um, but that was like in front of the crowd, but backstage it was like me and Scott, uh, were doing it all for a very long time. Like until uh, probably about 2003. So if you think about that was 10 years where it was just me and Scott really just pounding it out. Fader would hop in and out depending on how he was feeling. And then uh, when we took over OCW, and I think it was 2003, um, that was the the other group running in Windsor. That was uh, Chris Pilon and James Trepanier. And um, we took them over and took them on as part of our team as well. Chris didn't last very long, but James to this day is still part of the team. So now it's basically me, Scott, and James that are the lifeblood of uh, Border City. Yeah, it's been a long time you guys have been running that. And I know, obviously, you're a big wrestling fan. Right. BCW has so much history. We are going to talk about it and talk about it forever. But right. as a fan, kind of watching the shows, I know, like, obviously, you're involved in them. But what's kind of one of your favorite BCW moments that you've seen? Uh, and if you can't name just one, if there's a few yeah. that come to mind. I know the one the one that stands out, and it's the one that a lot of people also bring up, too, is the um, after ECW, um, after ECW went out of business, and um, we had originally had planned to bring in Tommy Dreamer as a surprise uh, to pop the Windsor crowd. And it just so happened that that was the same show where I don't know if uh, Sabu couldn't make it or didn't make it or couldn't make it over the border or whatever the problem was. But we had our main event was supposed to be, uh, I think it was Sabu against Damore. And then uh, when he didn't show up, like we we didn't know he wasn't coming until I would say at least intermission and by the time intermission came along now remember Scott's still an active wrestler I'm still refereeing so we're literally like I'm running from the ring to the back saying okay what are we doing like we're like three we're three matches away from the main event and we don't even know what our main event is just yet you know and we sat in the, in a coat room inside Chichero Club racking our brain for 20 minutes on and off trying to figure out what we were going to do and then we decided to do the uh, number one content. So I came up with the idea for my program. I had written that Demore was the number one contender and that Rhino was the number two contender. It just worked out that way. And they were both members of the syndicate at the time. And so I said, well, why don't we do an idea where we say, okay, Sabu's not here. Why don't the number one and number two contenders fight each other? And the winner of that is the Border City champion. So we look in the in the program, and ironically, it's Scott and Rhino, which they're both on the same team. So we thought that could be a good little story of, you know, well, who's going to be the one to lay down for the other one, you know? And Scott goes into politician mode right in the ring in front of Rhino, you know, saying how, like, he's got a bright future, you know? He just came from ECW. He's probably going to WWE. Why don't you just, you know, lay down for me? I need it more than you do. And, you know, just let me beat you and I'll become the border city champion and you know the crowd was totally like to talk trying to talk Rhino out of it and then uh, he reluctantly gets down on his back Scott climbs on top of him I reluctantly because I was the referee went down one two and then the lights went out and we waited about three seconds then we hit Tommy Dreamer's man in the box music and there was probably, I don't know, just under 2,000 people at the Chichero Club. 
and it felt like honestly the roof was gonna blow off the place I had goosebumps like I had goosebumps on goosebumps I can still to this day rem- like f- remember the feeling it felt like my throat had goosebumps inside of it because it was the crowd the pop was so loud you can't even believe it and he came out and said that you know where he comes from no man lays down for another man he came out and beat the shit out of both guys and pinned him and took the belt and that was <laughs> probably the biggest moment uh, that I can remember because like, I can still f- remember the feelings of it. Obviously, having The Rock in LaSalle in 97 was a big deal. Um, I don't know. Those, those are probably the two yeah. biggest moments, I think, of Border City history. The ones that changed the tide, at least for sure. Because even The Rock, if you think about it, we were doing okay crowds, you know, a couple hundred people every show. And then we bring The Rock in, and now all of a sudden it's like eight, 900 people a show. So... Yeah. That's triple your audience over one night with one with one person, <clears throat> and it kind of not that you know, I don't even think we're still on. I don't know if we're even on the map in Windsor yet because there's still some people who don't even know that know. It exists. I'm, I'm it blows my mind. Know, yeah, like at least the wrestling fans are like, oh, I didn't know. <clears throat> well, even like when we put our when we put our posts on Facebook, and like for this particular uh, show that that uh, we had in Windsor with Rob Van Dam on it, when we posted that on social media. You look at some of the replies because this is like it's a boosted post on Facebook. So mm-hmm. you pick your demographic and your yep. age and whatever, and it just blitzes it out to people's Facebooks. It, it boggles my mind that to this day people are like, oh, my God, there's wrestling in Windsor. Oh, my God, Rob Van Dam was in Windsor. Oh, my God, there's wrestling at St. Clair College. Like, I feel like we've been on the t- on TV and the newspaper and social media and just, events yeah, just so much shows, yeah. that just by osmosis, people should know that Border City Wrestling exists. And it, to this day, it blows my mind. But, hey, the more the merrier. Come on in. Yeah. We got we got lots of seats. I'm always willing to bring on new fans. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, so a lot of people have ran through BCW, like people like Alex Shelley, Chris Saban, those guys that yep. were mainstays and went on to great success, right? But there's also those people that would come in for one show once right. in a while uh, and I'm sure you've had to accommodate a lot of people right. you know, pick them up bring them places whatever who yep. are some of the coolest people like wrestlers that you've had to work with or deal with in any me capacity? personally yeah. my favorite people uh, off the top of my head King Kong Bundy he was like one of the first ones that I uh, had to like pick up from the airport and take him out to here and bring him to the hotel whatever and you can tell like me personally I've probably dealt with in the last 26 years I'm not even exaggerating 500 to 1,000 wrestlers. And just like in life, you know, there's good people and there's bad people and there's nice people and there's assholes and there's whatever. But like, you mean, the assholes, you know, you can, they're funny. They're a story that you can tell sitting around a campfire like, hey, you know who's so-and-so from WWE? Yeah, but he's a real asshole. I mean, that's one way. But then more exciting than that is to be able to tell people like, hey, remember King Kong Bundy from WWE? Yeah. Oh my God, he's so funny. He did this. He said this. We went here. We did that. And people like, even like my friends from high school and stuff are just so blown away by stuff like that. Like mm-hmm. Jim the Anvil Nightheart. You know, he was a real sweetheart to deal with. He was kind of frustrating at times, but he was he was fun. Bundy was fun. Honky Tonk Man's a pain in the ass, but he's fun to have around. I don't know. There's there's I don't know. It's just all the guys that I grew up with. That yeah, it's course. like it's so era. weird to me to be like these are guys that I grew up watching on TV and. Now here I am, either A hanging out with them or B babysitting them, as like a twenty-something-year-old guy babysitting <laughs> some wrestler. Where you're just like, oh my god, dude, act like an adult, would you please? <laughs> yeah, I'm sure there's lots of stories. Yeah. Um, and what about guys that weren't wrestlers, non 
wrestlers like David Arquette's been the BCW. Yeah, David Arquette was really neat too because, um, like, um, his people reached out to us about because I guess David Arquette wanted to um, wanted to do some more high profile wrestling stuff, and it was kind of an honor for us to be like, you know, one of the first promotions that got reached out to. Mm-hmm. So Again, we got kind of boosted, right? It helps um, us too, right? Because like we were on TMZ like for exactly, two weeks, got eyes on you know, it. two different two different times on TMZ over the story, and he was real. Like you talk about humble, you would think that some guy from Hollywood. There's been guys that have been on our shows that have had less time in front of a camera than you know, you, me, <laughs> who are bigger dicks than David Arquette, who you know you would think should be a dick like mm-hmm. he was so down to earth he when we did the vip he met with everybody he shook hands with everyone he had no problem taking pictures with anybody like nobody like we had dustin diamond at a show one time and he didn't want to be called screech and he didn't want his picture <laughs> taken and he didn't want his name to be associated with saved by the bell and he didn't want to come out to the saved by the bell theme song and it's like dude then why that's are you who, here that's who, you that's are, who we right? hired yeah so you'd think that, I mean, I'd expect David Arquette to act like that, not Screech, you know what I mean? But David Arquette was amazing. He didn't care. He was just, you could tell, I could tell by the look on his face that he was having the same feelings that I had in, like, 96, just being at a wrestling show and being able to, like, thinking about walking out the curtain and what music am I going to have and what moves am I going to do? And it's all just, I don't know, when you get that, when you're a big wrestling fan like him or me or you even, you get that. I don't know. You just get that feeling in your stomach, and you just you just want to do it. And then there's some people who just do it because they want to make some money or fame. something to do or whatever. And you can tell right off the bat who's who's cool and who's in it for other reasons. Mm-hmm. So as we mentioned, it's been running for over 26 years now, and it's bigger than ever with the involvement with uh, Impact Wrestling, of course. But um, it's got to be pretty fulfilling for you to see these shows in Windsor. You kind of definitely helped uh, bring BCW from the ground up and just in the Windsor realm to have the crowds that you guys are getting and, and for the shows to be on TV and, and pay-per-view and stuff like that. I'm The first time that it really like made my head spin on my shoulders was when we did the Heart Foundation reunion in like, I think it was like 2005. And like we put our tickets for sale and we sold like, not even exaggerating, 800 tickets in like a week or something. And I'm looking back to the days when we we're at La Salarina where we didn't get 800 people over three shows. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And now we're getting 800 people. And you start looking at the PayPal invoices, and there's someone coming from Ireland to come to the show. And there's someone wow. coming from like, you know, Florida and Calgary and shit to come see the Heart Foundation reunion. Yeah. And it was like, and to be there. And we were at Chichero Club, and I remember we had we had only rented because there's three halls at Chichero Club, A, B, and C. And we usually we'd we'd set up our ring in C, and then we'd set the chairs up in B, and then A they just left it open. I remember it was like I don't know the VIP had just ended, and all the seats were full. And Chuck came and said I think there was like another couple hundred people still in line to come in, and the VIP was already done. So I remember I think it was Scott went down to the Cheryl Club office and was like, "Open the door. We'll figure out what the rent. Like, we'll we'll figure it all out later." So we literally had to tear down tables and chairs that were set up for like a wedding or something the next day in Hall A, just to enable to accommodate more people to come into the show. And now that you say that, I remember like it being 
open more. And oh like, my oh, god, I had to open it all, up all the way back. Yeah, 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 I remember. Yeah. And like even just like as they're opening the door, the rest of the crowd that's there is going, oh, because <laughs> like even they kind of you could tell they were thinking, well, this is going to be something big. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And then to go from that, like when we had Ray Mysterio here in town like a year or two ago, and just how many people were there, like it just blows my mind. It, like I don't know. The way I always describe it on social media to people is like, I don't have kids, so like Border City Wrestling is like my kid, so like, watch to grow up. Right. right. I gotta watch like I gotta look at on Facebook and see first day of school pictures of your kid with his lunchbox. Well, then you gotta look at these pictures of me with Ray Mysterio. <laughs> That's like my lunchbox. You know what I mean? So for like, I don't know. I just I just see it as like. It's the only thing in my life that's been that I've enjoyed the entire time. I've been through different girlfriends, different jobs, different places I live, different food I like. It doesn't matter what it is. The one thing that will forever be attached to me will be Border City Wrestling. So if I die tomorrow or I die in 30 years from now, people will say Jeffrey Scott from Border City Wrestling. And that's, that's all the honor I can get. You know what I mean? To have like one of the biggest, well, the biggest promotion probably in Canada and probably one of the biggest independents in the world. And to have my name attached to it like that is pretty cool. And I don't know, brings a tear to my eye once in a while. For sure, man. Everyone should have something like that if they don't, you know. Right. And uh, it's fantastic for me to see it, you know, as a kid growing up right. and stuff like that. I think it's cool. And um, when BCW was kind of revived back in 2012 there, would you have ever thought that it would have evolved even to the point where you had Rey Mysterio and Pete Dunne? Like, because that was like the biggest BCW alone show without the, right. you know, impact. without any impact, right? Um, so even to that caliber, when you guys brought back BCW and you had Kevin Nash and Carlito at that show, did you yeah. ever think, like, we can keep doing this? Or was it like, that was great, hopefully we can do it again? Well, it was something that I think it was the college that approached us about doing shows. And it was more of like, well, this would be a different, fun place that we could run, you know, we could run in. But then when you get in there and you look at it and you see the bleachers, right? Well, now... When you look like, here's the thing. If I run a show and I only draw 200 people, then I only have to set 200 chairs up. And, mm-hmm. and then everyone comes and they go, oh, yeah, it was great shows. All the chairs were full. When you run a show like at St. Clair, when the bleachers hold 1,200 people, now you look at it and you go, fuck, this I got yeah. to sell 1,200 tickets or else. Because here's the thing. You put 600 people into a 1,200-seat bleacher and everyone says, oh, the show is shit. They couldn't draw anybody. Half the crowd wasn't there. Course, yeah. But you put 600 people in a room with six, that fits 600 people, then everyone says, oh, it was amazing, sold out, jammed to the rafters. So now the pressure's on, We you know, when we run you know, the small St. Clair even. like So there's the two buildings in St. Clair, the old gym and the new gym. And the old gym, I think, holds 900 in the bleachers, and the other one holds 1,200. So then it's kind of like everyone always says, well, why don't you run, why don't you run the sportsplex more? Why don't yeah, you run the sportsplex more? It's just one of those things where, like, the crowds we're drawing now consistently fill the old gym that it's almost would look... I don't know. It would look less, I think, if we ran the same shows at the Sportsplex and there was less people there. Just the perception and the energy mm-hmm. and everything is less for some reason. Just, <clears throat> sorry, you just feel it's kind of at its point. And right, it's at, right. So like, if we had another, like, so like Ray Mysterio, for example, I knew we would need more yeah, well, he's seats, high, right? Very high caliber, right. right? But there's not too many uh, 
Rey Mysterio is out there anymore. If you think about it, everyone from that generation is either still in WWE or retired with millions of dollars yeah. in their bank or accounts, elsewhere. so they elsewhere. don't need to, you know, don't need to do it. So it's kind of weird because the the era that I grew up in, those guys either are still taking bookings today or they're dead. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then that 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 '90s era, those guys were so good with their money and they were making so much money that to them it's just not worth coming here even for no matter what kind of money you offer them mm-hmm. what do you offer Stone Cold Steve Austin <laughs> to come to your show if he's already has a billion dollars yeah. it's like for him to get on a plane take his shoes off fly here cross customs he well, he's just, not going to do it for WWE he's right. not going to exactly. do it for anyone so yeah so do you wish that they had more kind of strictly BCW shows or without the one night onlys or what um, personally I find that the more big name talent that's on the show, the more tickets we sell. So we could run, like we are going to be running some Border City only shows that have no attachment to Impact, that won't have any names on it, and it'll draw three, four, five hundred people. But if I put Sammy Callahan and Tessa Blanchard on the poster, now I sell eight hundred tickets. Mm-hmm. So it's one of those things. But what would we rather have? Would we rather have? I don't know. You know what I'm saying? I do. We're kind of in that like, weird... Do you want to have your baby right. do its own thing, or right. do you want to bump them up a little bit more? Because that's the thing with the 25th anniversary show. That's where I want to go to yeah. from here. Was I was like, this is going to be great. They're going to bring back all the old guys. It's going to be BCW. Right. And I, honestly, I was a little disappointed when I seen the impact involved in it because right. I was like, well, you know, I want I want to see Larry Destiny. Right. I want to see these guys. But I kind of felt bad because you know, meeting up with the guys to do the podcast, like they want it to be a one night only probably because it gets them on paper right you know what I mean so I don't know I felt like it was a little selfish as a fan kind of thing but right. it's like I love DCW and I'd like to see that I like I love how you wore the old shirt and stuff like that right you know what I mean like I wanted to see kind of well part of it is too like there's very few we found that there's very few people like you who have been hardcore fans since like day one mm-hmm. so everybody you know watches the wrestling it kind of goes in waves right it's a lot of times it's a lot of little kids and they watch it for four or five years and then they move on to something else right there's diehards like you and there's diehards like Joseph Dowd and there's guys like that who've been coming to shows since you know LaSalle days but then you think to yourself okay well if we bring out Larry Destiny as much as I love the guy and as much as you know it'd be fun to see him and hang around with him again does he get a pop in 2019 from yeah, certainly not like a draw. Or right. You're not going to put them front right. on the... That's right. so, what I mean. So the then we like just kind of have to walk the line between, okay, well, if we're going to do a 25th anniversary, let's bring back Tommy Dreamer, D'Lo, Highlander Robbie. Like, you know what I mean? Where it's yeah. like, they're BCW guys, they were former BCW champions, and it still gives you that kind of nostalgia at the same time. You know, we had other people there, like Chris Valentino and Bobby Clancy, like not in active roles, but they were there and they were shown on camera mm-hmm. and stuff like that. I think that's all those guys really want as well. I think, I mean, to me, I wish we could do Border City shows every month, but, you know, I mean, you can't burn can't burn the town out. We're going to start trying to run smaller shows. Like we're going to do one in August at the Legion again. And it's going to be... Um, so what happened was we have the Can-Am Wrestling School the things churning out students like it's never have before like and good ones yeah like we used to you know we'd have we'd have students but like there's some guys who were like had no business being in a wrestling ring but we got a school full of guys right now like 
we we were talking about it. We're like, we could almost literally run a wrestling promotion just off of the students that we have in the school. Go back to so all of a sudden we're like, well, shit, we should maybe run a show and make it mostly student based and see if there's that hardcore wrestling fan that just wants to come see local guys cutting their teeth, doing their thing, or do we need to have a D'Lo Brown or a you know Michael Elgin on the show in order to draw more people in to get the eyes on the young guys to get them to want to come back and see them again think of about a guy like Aiden Prince if we didn't do shows before that featured Aiden Prince on them then he doesn't mean anything when he's on impact do you know what I mean so it's kind of like walking that fine line between staying legit to what we are and were and at the same time, taking the opportunities that are handed to us and making the most out of them for not just ourselves, but for Aiden Prince and Stone Rockwell and El Reverso. Like, no offense to El Reverso, and he knows that I could say this right to his face. Without this Border City Impact partnership, there's probably a good chance El Reverso never wrestles on TV or pay-per-view. Now that guy, five years, 10 years, 20 years from now, can log online, go on to Impact Plus, and show his kids, here's your old man wrestling on pay-per-view. Mm-hmm. So I think we're at the perfect, I think we're at the good balance right now. Yeah. We're going to try to do half and half, half Border City shows, half Impact shows. Yeah, it's perfect balance. Play your pawns where you need them and, right. and when and stuff like that, right? Just didn't know if anyone felt the same way as me. <laughs> I, did I, talk to, I did talk to Scott about that. He said we wanted to, but right. like you're saying, like in a business standpoint, it, it makes total sense. But it was kind of right. like, eh. You know? right. But when it was all said and done, that was one of the best shows you guys have done in so fucking long. I, that was unbelievable. I think all our St. Clair shows outdo each other. Like mm-hmm. every, I don't know. I just think whenever anyone asks me what my favorite one was, I'm like, usually the last one was my favorite yeah. one. Because <laughs> I don't know, it just gets too. better and bigger. And I don't know. And it gets easy. No, no, I don't want to. Or let me knock on wood here. I almost said it gets easier, but it's like you get more comfortable. You run the same building over and over, and now you don't have to worry about where does this go, where is this, who is this, where should we put these people, where can we do with this. Now it's almost like you show up, you set it up, and you just you're confident in okay, yeah. this is what we're gonna yeah, do. Yeah, it's it. almost a routine, <laughs> right? Yeah. It's perfect because yeah. like now we know okay, tickets didn't work here last time. Let's move the ticket door to here let's move the bar here let's move the merchandise stand here yeah. you know what i mean you notice those things that stay and the little changes right so right. obviously there's reason for right. the changes right 25th anniversary show was fantastic so was it everything that you thought it was going to be and or more it was everything that i hoped it would be and I, I was glad that i got an opportunity to go on it i haven't refereed since 2000 and whenever when did jeff jarrett beat raven for the that was the last match you ever did that, that was, was 2005 yeah six, six, five or six yeah. So then, so that was what last year. So thirteen years, and I tell you, I was so gassed right off the beginning. You don't realize how out of shape you are until you have to do something in wrestling. I got in there, and even for me, like you know, when the the heel tries to jump in the ring, and you're telling them, "Hey, you know, you didn't get tagged. Get out of here." One, two, three, four. All of a sudden, I finished that, and I'm like, "Oh, can me right I can't now. breathe. Yeah, I can't breathe." <laughs> And then you're, you know, some Highlander Robbie tries to jump in the ring and you're holding him back and he's fighting against you and you're pushing him back and he finally gets out of the ring and you take a deep breath and you go, fuck, I'm out of shape. I can't <laughs> believe this. By the end of it, I was so sweaty and gassed. I think I, I think the match that aired, I think the match that was after that, I think was the, was it the sit, was it the six man? What was I it? I wanted to say so, but I don't feel like you put two 
I don't think so either. But for some reason, back, right? but I remember I missed that entire six man, the the that was OVE fan, six man. Fantastic too, yeah. I was in the water, I had my face in that water fountain, trying to catch my breath and trying to freaking get, like, I was so blown up, you can't even believe it. And then I'm like, well, I'll just watch that match when it airs on TV, and then we could air it. Aired, so yeah. now I've never seen it. You've never it. seen it? Never. Oh, it was unbelievable. But I can only imagine. It was really, really good. I, love, I hope one day we, we can, it can come out somehow. I don't know how legally that works, because I'm not a lawyer, but... Mm-hmm. Well, it's about the individuals who are... It was all about saving, right? that's yeah. why. Yeah. Yeah, I mean that was fantastic, and even in that match, the other six man was so fun to watch. And and it was neat too because, like when we when we went down the list, it was like okay, well, who should be involved in that six man, right? And I thought it should be all former champions. Like I wanted to, I, I, like if we could have got eight or ten of them to do it, you know what I mean? Yeah. I would have done Had an eight man match, or a ten yeah. man. But then when you start thinking about it, and like to me, I, I I was like, let's put Mickey Doyle in there, right? And then like Scott's like. Mickey's like 70 yeah. years old, right? But it's like, to me, he's still Mickey Doyle Can Am champion. You know what I mean? Well, like that one time you had the 20th anniversary and you right. had Danny Cass and right. him, and I was like, this is awesome. Right. See, because that's the kind of stuff that I say, I'm with you. I like that kind of stuff. But then when like Scott brings me down to reality, he's like, he'll probably break something if he gets thrown around in there. Mm-hmm. And it's like, ah, I guess so. <laughs> but like the six that we did get, I think. I mean, you perfect. can't you can't beat those six guys. It was perfect. It was perfect heel and and yeah. like the perfect dynamic. Yeah. Was, and even good. Scott wasn't even sure he wanted to do it because of the same reason as me. I think he thought he'd be just as gassed as I was, and he'd have to be wrestling and not even talking. But I think once the momentum picked up and people started getting a little bit nostalgic about the match, I think Scott started rolling around a little yeah, bit well, more in the yeah. school and going to the gym oh, a little yeah. bit more. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I think. He, I, you know, I think even until like a week before, I think he was still like debating. Like, if you followed our social media, that was one of the last matches to get announced because we weren't sure whether Scott was going to do it or not. And if he wasn't, then we'd have to replace him with somebody else. And we were going to call in like, I think it was going to be Shane Douglas oh, yeah. it was going to be Scott's replacement or somebody else. Well, but I then I think Scott thought it's the 25th anniversary of the sh- of the company that he helped start. Do a light drop and miss a little salt and just be done with it, you know? Yeah, I don't have to do that much. Right. But there, if I'm not mistaken, with that match, too, there was a lot of stuff for the whole show that was changed around. And I think he he or someone else in that, in that match was a last-minute yeah, decision, was, right? Yeah, who, I think Rob, Robbie being added at the last minute. I think Robbie was in another match, wasn't he? And then he got added to that. I can't remember. I, I got my head wrapped around Diener. the last... Oh, Diener? I think Diener was supposed to be in it, and then when A1 got hurt, they put uh, yes, Diener that's right. in there. Yeah. And I want to say that yeah. they kind of threw Robbie in. Yeah, that's that right. No, yeah, you're right. Yeah. See, I've, I've, we have already done like seven shows since then, so my brain yeah. is still trying that's to wrap That's what I say when you're like, knock on wood, I'm like, man, it's a bad time to be jinxing yourself. You're two days away from a two-day <laughs> event, right? Um, but to kind of wrap it up, man, you've done so much and uh, kind of touched upon it, um, you know, all these cool moments that you've seen and been involved in but for you in wrestling what's the coolest thing that you've been involved in maybe like a spot or an angle whatever match Um, anything like that and if not one I'll tell you the couple things so getting back to that night of Tommy Dreamer when Sabu uh, couldn't make it I remember because like I said earlier I had to be like the de facto commissioner for all these things and be the referee at the same time so I had to cut the promo that was announcing that we were going to do Rhino versus Scott. Mm-hmm. And Scott was like, you know, basically tell me, explain this, 
tell the crowd this, we'll set up the match and whatever. So I get out there and my adrenaline is like through the roof. Like I, 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 to this day, it sounded like there was bees buzzing in my ears because I was so like amped up about the whole show. And I remember getting on the microphone and I, uh, and we started and I, and I made the announcement that Sabu wasn't there. That was the first part. I made the announcement that Sabu wasn't there and the crowd started turning like angrily turning and the and the worst part about it is whenever any of these guys never showed up in the past it was always well you know it's always the promotion's fault right whenever anyone doesn't show up no one ever thinks about like maybe it's the asshole wrestler who is an irresponsible adult and just didn't do what he was supposed to do to get to the show whatever you know what i mean missing a plane or getting a DUI and not being able to cross into Canada. There's a million things that come up that, how do I know you have a DUI unless you tell me? Do you know what I mean? Right, so everything, right. So then, uh, as soon as the Sabu, as soon as I said the Sabu thing, I remember the crowd started shitting on us about it. Like, and I remember getting like, upset about it because I knew it wasn't our fault and I was and it, it happened in a time where this was happening an awful lot I think for some reason I'm trying to really put myself back in that moment and I remember at the time being so upset about it and then I just got on the microphone and I was like listen I'm like I don't even know if I swore or not I can't remember but I think I was like you know you know, Sabu was supposed to be here, you know, tonight, and for whatever reason, he didn't come. And, you know, obviously, Sabu thinks, you know, he's too good for you people. No, first I said, I put, you know, his his flight on my credit card, so there's no excuse for him not to be here, whatever. He should be here right now. And then the crowd kind of turned with me, and they started, started cheering. So I went to give the mic back to Scott, and Scott just had this big smile on his face because... He said I sounded like Paul Heyman, so he wasn't going to take the mic back. He wanted to see how I would handle the pressure. So then I got on the mic and I said, you know what? And this, I was really pissed at this point. And I said, you know what? If Sabu thinks he's too good for you people, then I think I think the opposite. I think you people are too good for Sabu. And the place went insane, like huge pop, right? So that's probably the biggest pop I ever got in my whole <laughs> life. So then uh, I gave the mic back to Scott at that point, and he... He thought that was pretty cool. So that was pretty fun. Um, I also liked... Uh, um, what was the other thing I was going to talk about? Obviously, the Heart Foundation reunion, because I grew up a Heart Foundation mark. Like, nobody's business. I was, like, the biggest Brett mark of all time. And then just to be able to hang out with them and, like, go to breakfast with Bret Hart and eat dinner with them and sit at the kitchen table and just talk about nothing... Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it's those little things. That, like when you're talking about like King Kong Bundy and like right. how funny it was. It's not, like, I don't want to hear wrestling stories all the time. All right. That. Just go get something and eat. Right. And just know, be with Bundy, you know? Yeah. And Bundy, uh, just Bundy saying stuff. Like you, you see Bundy, you know, and you remember what he looked like as a kid. He was this big, pale, fat slob, right? Who like avalanched Hulk Hogan and ruined your whole summer that year. And you're hanging out with the guy and I, I see him and he looks good. You know, he's lost some weight. And I said, you look great, Bundy. What's your secret? He said, the secret to looking good when you're old is to look really bad when you're young. Which, like, kind of, like, spoke to me. Because I, like, I look back at pictures now and I'm like, I think I look better now than I did when I was younger. And it's like the Bundy philosophy. You know what I mean? So I always live that philosophy. It's like, well, just try to look good today because you need to make up for how bad you looked when you were younger. That's great. Yeah, and just even, like, getting in the car with Bundy and, like, 
he could barely fit in my little my uh, two door Honda Civic that I had to drive him all the way to Toledo, and he's practically like belly up to my dashboard and he's telling me to turn the air conditioning on in the middle of March and I got the air on full blast and he's still telling me that he's boiling hot and stuff <laughs> and just like thinking how awesome this is that I got King Kong Bundy in my car right and even to this day whenever you like I run into friends who are like hey man do you still do the wrestling and I'm like yeah like you ever meet this guy and it's funny to say like yep do you ever meet this guy yep you ever meet this guy? Yep. You, you ever meet this guy? Him. Yep. It's like, oh, do you ever see? You ever meet this guy? Yeah, I went out to dinner with him last week. It's like, so it's so surreal, even for my friends and my family and stuff. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And probably still stuff to happen even this weekend. Yeah, like, who knows, you know, right? Know. Exactly. You never know. It's cool. You're still doing it, man. And, I love doing it. Yeah. I mean, like, as you get older, you know, real life stuff like real bills and like yeah, owning a mortgage and having a real job, but just the fact that. It just shows how dedicated I am to it. But the fact that we still do the shows and I put just as much time and effort into it as I did when I didn't have a job as when I do when I have a job just shows how dedicated I am to it and how much I want it to succeed and how happy I am for everybody involved. Happy for people like Johnny Bravo. Happy for people like Cam, the legless referee, uh, James. Just I don't know. I'm just happy for everyone that's involved that that's been here and like has also put their sweat equity in and for them to like for John E. Bravo to have a tag team match on Impact just blows my mind based on the fact that like the only reason he used to get booked back in the day was because I would he would get me toys from Toys R Us like action figures I needed for my collection so then he'd like hook me up with action figures and then I'd tell him okay man come to the show and if there's any opening I'll fucking get you on there. <laughs> so he'd bring his shit, and then like Scott would be like, "All right, I need uh, a heel and two baby faces," and I'd be like, "All right, Bravo, go get fucking suited up," you know what I mean, and stuff like that. So then, um, you know, he wasn't always the best wrestler in the world, but you know, he's a hard worker. He's dedicated. He's dedicated to what we do. He, if you, if I called him right now and said, "Hey, I need something," he's honestly a guy who would drop whatever he's doing. <clears throat> You know, right, and that's like that's called paying your dues, and it's also not only that people will call it ass kissing. I call it more like being dedicated to the overall product. Like think about because of that, now Impact does more with Border City, and because of that, now A One gets a second chance with Impact, and El Reverso gets on TV, and Stone Rockwell gets on TV, and Aiden Prince gets on TV, and on pay per view, mm-hmm. and on the website, and on the Impact Plus app. Well, you know what I mean? It's great that it's BCW that has this affiliation. And that, to be honest, that it's not other people. Like, it's, I'm so happy to see the guys, like even Sheldon Jean, to get right. a chance. To, these guys, right? You know. And then, like, because where else would you ever see these guys? You know what I mean? They're sure, they could go to Smash and try to work their way up, you know, or uh, Destiny or somebody like that. But to just have like a like a straight direct door to like impact, mm-hmm. I think that's part of the reason why I think we have a lot of such great students coming out of the school. Is I think. People, when they're looking for a wrestling school, they look at it and say, well, look how many people from this school have been, like, on Impact TV, like, in and the last couple of years, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. So I think it's more, you mean, you go train with Joe Blow in Boise, Idaho. Oh, yeah, what do you do after? But then what do you yeah, do, right? Yeah. You're going to have to hustle bookings. Or you got you got the vice president of Impact, Damore, who's in the school once a week. You have him right there. Could you imagine if you were if you were an up and coming cook, whatever, and once a week, one of the biggest chefs in the world comes into you, the re, into a kitchen that you're in and stands there for two hours, 
just think about how invaluable that is for somebody to go over and talk to him, pick his brain, kind of nudge him, say, hey, look, I'm here if you need anything. How many, there's people probably that live in Florida that would die to be on Impact Wrestling and don't have any of the access that these guys around here have. And I think that that helps them and it helps us at the same time. Because then when these guys make it to TV and they become successful, then we turn on and say, look at all these guys we trained. And then that lures more people into the school and they make it big. And then we're like, now we got all these more people that we've trained. So it helps everybody out and we get better wrestlers. Think about it. There was no wrestling school anywhere in Detroit or Windsor in 1993 when Scott opened up mm-hmm. their school. They were, they were getting wrestlers from Ohio. Like they, guys would have to, like, local, considered to be local wrestlers were from Van Wert, Ohio. And, like, you know, up up in the, you know, northern Michigan, like the UP. Mm-hmm. Now you got guys, there's probably five schools in the area that have all been, if you look at who, where they came from, it's all people that came by one way or another through Can-Am Wrestling School and Border City Wrestling. Mm-hmm. And it's almost like you revitalized this area as far as wrestling goes. It's awesome, man. It's something that I'll always love, especially in Windsor. So uh, it's cool to see that BCW grow, you know. Thanks a lot for coming up. No problem. I appreciate you having me on, and I appreciate everything you uh, do for us. Okay, ladies and gentlemen. Drake Demore back here on the podcast. And uh, I forgot to mention I'm doing this one outside, so if you hear any weird background noise, uh, excuse that. I did do it a few weeks back, and you can hear a dog barking, and I completely forgot to even mention. Uh, but anyway, that was Jeffrey Scott of Border City Wrestling. If you've ever been to a BCW show or if you're quite familiar with it, a uh, longtime fan, you definitely know who he is. And uh, if you don't and you go to a BCW show, you will certainly see him. Now that that's uh, all said and done, there is a few things I want to talk about in regards to the Impact Wrestling tapings. If you're a big fan of Impact Wrestling, then you might want to stop or uh, fast forward right now. Hopefully fast forward and continue listening to my podcast. But I want to talk a little bit about uh, about some stuff that went down at the tapings and that uh, will make it to TV if it hasn't already. Uh, at the time that this drops, uh, we will have another episode of Impact Wrestling coming out tomorrow on Friday night. And so far... Only one from the Windsor tapings has aired. Uh, but i got to give some shout-outs to some people we know here from the podcast and from Windsor and from Border City Wrestling and uh, just in general. I was only able to go on Friday night and, of course, got all the results I could from Saturday. But uh, Friday night actually kicked off with a pretty much BCW exclusive, a taping match for uh, Explosion, which featured El Reverso versus Bupinder Singh, a uh, Can-Am Wrestling student. El Reverso came to the ring accompanied by a local um, handicapped girl in a wheelchair, which was absolutely awesome thing for him to do. And not only that, he followed up his win uh, over Bupinder Singh after he was given uh, Cam Adamson, the referee, kind of a hard time. Cameron was born without legs and is a, a professional wrestling referee and is actually trained to be a wrestler. Um, so following his match when uh, Bupinder was kind of arguing with the ref, um, El Reverso came back to help him out and pushed him into the ropes where Cam was able to give him a 619 and then headed up on up to the top rope for a 450. It was certainly something to see. It has been done before with him and Aiden Prince, but uh, just in front of that crowd to give him that, that little moment was very cool. For a guy in El Reverso who has been on the show actually a few times, he has uh, quite the story. Uh, completely classless from him. That was, that was so uh, so classy of a thing for him to do to not only give that girl her moment and, and be her his manager for the match, 
but then let Cam do something cool like that. And the crowd was going absolutely wild. That was so cool to see. Uh, following that, our next Windsorite that was in any sort of action at Impact Wrestling was another guest uh, on the show many times, actually, Aiden Prince. Aiden Prince, and again, spoiler alerts here, he was in a six-way X Division number one contenders match with also featuring Cody Deaner, uh, Petey Williams, from another Windsor guy, and a lot of BCW uh, superstars. And if you haven't figured it out already, Aiden Prince won that match and has earned himself an X Division championship match. It actually might be airing tomorrow. Um, man, good for him. Like, that is so fantastic. A guy that um, he was on the show two years ago. And he was just about to go and wrestle Pete Dunn, and not a lot of people even knew who he was. And I found that to be just a, like insane. From there, he's done so much in wrestling and has wrestled a lot of big names and is uh, moving his way up really quickly. So congratulations to Aiden Prince on a huge Impact Wrestling moment. And man, if he doesn't sign there soon, I'll be shocked. But of course, it is kind of good to keep your options open. But I just wanted to give a shout out to those two guys from Windsor, past guests of the show. I think they were the only two Border City Wrestling superstars to actually make appearances uh, both nights. There there may have been more, and I'm, I'm missing it, but those two things stood out to me when I was there on Friday night, as well as all the matches. The show was uh, very entertaining, as always, and uh, yeah, so thanks for having me out. Um, we don't have a lot of local news, and you can catch that on the radio show on Thursday at 1230, um, unless it's already too late, but again, you can hear it on Tuesdays at 8pm and that'll wrap it up because that's all this week on Wind City Sports my name is Drake Damore and as mentioned we have brand new episodes of the Wind City Sports podcast and radio show every Thursday again the radio show on CJAM 99.1 FM in Windsor and Detroit at 12.30 and replays on Tuesdays at 8 catch every episode of the Wind City Sports podcast on Spotify, iTunes anywhere podcasts are found simply search up Wind City Sports Wind City is all one word and we also have windcitysports.com is the easiest way to find it. We are also on the brand new Border City Podcast Network. Um, but we are on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. So give us a like, follow, subscribe, or whatever it may be, whatever you use. If uh, our handle is applicable, it is at windcity underscore sports. Or again, if you can't find us, just search up windcitysports. Uh, windcity, all one word. And you can follow me, Drake Damore, on Twitter and Instagram, at Drake Damore. So until next week, smell you later.